said this up really good. So most law, everybody knows about it. Uh, this is pretty much what I did through in the past 20 years. Drop out of the uh, school in the mid-90s to join internet. I've been internet entrepreneur since then. Uh, in 2010, accidentally started the first makerspace in China. Uh, the maker movement was one of the promise, one of the latest for the digital. And people get really excited. People get really all the promise. Like today, we have been a lot of digital objects. But, and that's the huge amount of things, the promise to come, uh, how this is going to change. And it's getting establishment really excited, all the way to President Obama, uh, hosting Make a Fair in the, in the White House in 2015. And this is the number everybody throwing around, 50, 50 billion IoT objects in 2020, 2025. Uh, but, well, like everything digital. We blog about it, we tweet about it, we Facebook about it, and then it doesn't happen, so we try. However, it's hard. Let's move on. Let's go obsessed with something else. Uh, how about get our crazy digital uncles and cousins to spit on each other on artificial intelligence? And how about let's do some blockchains? How about let's talk this up again? The hype gets continue. The hype gets uh, sustained with digital. The information travel too fast. People don't have time to sit down and starting to think about what it means. What this maker movement means, what the open source hardware means, and how that's going to play out. In the counter example to the digital, let me tell you a tale of a cities. 1980s, China, the communist China, decided they want to experiment with capitalism. How are they going to do it? They're not going to do it in one of the big cities. So they came down to the south of China, circling this, fishing, this collection of 15 fishing village in a, in a place called Shenzhen. Uh, so put a big circle around them, everything goes. That's experiment. That's starting, we are, in this event, people talk so much about social change. But if you think about it, this is the beginning of one of the biggest social change in the modern era. This is Shenzhen today. 15 million people, 19% of the global electronic productions, one of the richest cities in China. And what happened? Shenzhen is really the hair of the most low revolutions. Shenzhen started its life as a, many, as a mass manufacturer and mass productions. But what does it mass produce? If we produce steel, it doesn't change that much. If you produce textile, it doesn't change that much. But if you produce the goods of most law, it enhances every 18 months. It changes every 18 months. The performance doubles every 18 months. As soon as you put the stuff on the shelf, it's already obsolete. That's what we know about most law. With that most law, the Shenzhen comes from this gathering of mass productions. To the, to the Silicon Valley of Hawaii, 
Um, this is the wire documentary. It's a one-hour documentary on Shenzhen. If you are interested, you can see that. But Shenzhen comes to be known to the world only seven years ago as a place of sweatshop. People go so crazy making iPhone, they are jumping off the roof. In seven years, the city has come from that. If you read Shenzhen today, Economist, Wall Street Journal, everybody is talking about Shenzhen as the innovation hub of the future. What happened? Well, too bad Bruce is gone. Uh, but the, this is where the cyberpunk dream comes true. Cyberpunk is about people in the lower layer of the, well, what we will be called the, the societies, be access to the high tech. And this is what Shenzhen is. This is the Huachangbei electronic market, where a high-tech object is created on the street, in the store, in a total street market fashions. And what happens when you're creating a high-tech object in the street fashions? You get variations. You get crazy variations. Everything here, none of them is rendered. None of them is vaporware. Every single one of them is a product, shipping for someone. In the middle of it, there's a cell phone with seven speakers. It's as loud as a boombox. This is designed specifically for construction workers because that can enjoy the music in the construction site without danger. Everything of them exists there for a reason. And this is what street does to smart hardware. Street doesn't produce anything wasteful. Street doesn't produce anything useless. Street doesn't hide. Street sell. Street makes stuff. Street really benefit the end users. You are taking a very close relationship between the producer and the, and the consumer. That's no to VC pitch. That's no to investment pitch. There's no hype. It's just down to earth, good business. And this changed the mobile industry. This is so if we think about what happened in the mobile industry, in the feature form, today is 2017. Let's just think about this. Let's have a thought experiment. Roll back 10 years. If I stand in on stage in 2007 and say, I predict Nokia will go out of business in 10 years. I predict, just like Bruce just did. I would predict in 2007, Motor will go out of business in 10 years. You'll be like, what, what happened? What, where, where you find these crazy guys? Nokia was on the trajectory to be the greatest company on earth. Motor is going to be the force to be reckoned with in the futures. Quite interestingly, it doesn't take 10 years. It took five. In 2012, both companies went under, got acquired. So this is what happened when street starting to fill in every single need. This is what happened when street starting to have every object for every consumers. So this is long tail. And on the left side, the show head, that's motor, that's the Nokia. On the right side, that's the mobile phone from street of Shenzhen. In 2012, that's 300 million cell phones. It's a one quarter of the global mobile phone output from the street of Shenzhen, from the market you just saw. It doesn't have height. It has a real, it has a real shipment. It doesn't, it's quiet. It's not 
televised. After the feature phone, Samsung continued to change the reality of smartphone. Do you think Apple is unbeatable? Well, maybe you are. If you are in the US, that's a 40, 53% market share. If you are in Europe, I think it's probably 30 something. But if you look at globally, Apple is 12%. If you look at China, Apple is 9%. Apple is a small niche or jewelry making company. And well, just the latest news, Apple now is number three in China. So this is another side of the street. This is another side of the Shenzhen street. How did Shenzhen do it? How did Shenzhen make this happen? It's about open and cooperations. This is a smartwatch. How do you build a smartwatch today if you are in Germany? Let me go raise tons of money. Let me have an engineering team. Let me have a design team. Let me have a production team. Let me have a marketing team. Let me have all of this. And then let's take the next 36 months to make a smartwatch. It doesn't work like that in Shenzhen. Everything you see here, they are open component. If you want to make a smartwatch, you've got tens of companies will provide you the PCB. You've got tens of companies will provide you the, mechan the mechanical part. You've got tens of companies will provide you the outer shell. You can have your smartwatch ideas on the market in three weeks. And that's how we iterate. This is cooperation. This is not just competitions. And this Sense and Benefit Fund being its scale, 90% of the electronic production globally. Let's think about the number. It's a city of 15 million people producing 90% of the need in electronics for 7 billion. In the history of industrial revolutions, we never have a concentration like this. We never have a scale like this. And this is not for Chinese. This is not just for Chinese. This is for the global market. And with that ecosystem, Shenzhen divided itself into very specialized vertical. Every box you see here are the department you need to build a company. But instead of building a company, in Shenzhen, we build team and projects. Go in, grab each one, grab one from each box, make them the partner, and go and start in your own projects. The refinement of the creation becoming so easy. This is a on the street publication of, of in Shenzhen. This is called the white label products. This is every technical object you can think of. Mobile phone, bracelet, smart home, whatever you are thinking of, they are in there. You can work with them, you can have your stuff shipped in two weeks. You can have your idea realized, testing on the real people, on the real customer in two weeks. And that's the sentence speed. And what's the result of the sentence speed? What's the change it's making? This is a company called Wico. How many people have heard of it? Okay, put your hand down if you are French. How many non-French have heard of it? Good, quiet. Oh. This is a five years old company. This is number two mobile phone brand in France. It's number four in Europe. And we are in the room of European. Right? Less than 1% of people have heard of it. 
The company is only five years old. They figured out the need for a new kind of cell phone, in, no, new kind of smartphone in France in 2011. Instead of starting the company to build the greatest next phone, they went down to Shenzhen, go into the street, pick up what they need, launching the phone at the end of 2011. They go to Shenzhen in the beginning of 2011, actually launching a phone by Christmas. And in five years, they beat Apple and took the number two spot in French market. Today, they are shipping 30 million cell phones a year. This is just a small niche company. Another company, Techno. How many people heard of it? This is a company shipping 100 million cell phones a year to Africa. This is the biggest brand in Africa. And, but it doesn't all have to be monopoly. Uh, this is Nerve. This is a friend, Silas, in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, he figured out there's a niche need for a specialized phone if we modify the software. Went on the website called AliExpress. Negotiated with the vendors in Shenzhen. Launching his own small mobile company in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, doing pretty well. And just for the fun of it, SD, just to illustrate how easy to make a, a technology objects in Shenzhen. Uh, we help Wall Street Journal with these stories. Wall Street Journal built their own mobile phone just for an article uh, within two weeks at $70 each. And we are starting to change in the way we are looking at technology. We should be starting, the whole shift is changing the way to look at, think about technology. Bruce is right. The technology overs you, but it doesn't mean the technology is not useful. It's becoming the power of the other group of people. We are taking the lead of technology away from the engineer and give it to people, designer, common people, everyday people. You use the tools to starting to figure out the new approach, a new application. And things just emerge. And things just emerge out of Shenzhen in the weirdest way. Uh, how many people have tried this? The hoverboard? This is really cute. I think he's for something. This is a business emerging out of the street of Shenzhen in the end of 2013. In 2015, Shenzhen, well, it caught fire. That's how everybody knows about hoverboard. Uh, but in 2015, after it caught fire, the sales of it actually soared. In 2015, Shenzhen shipped 15 million units of this, creating a $3 billion business industry in two years. And if you wonder, has Hoverboard disappeared? No. This year, Hoverboard is a $6 billion industry, all emerged out of Shenzhen with no leading brand. Thousands of companies working on this. Hundreds of thousands of people benefiting from creation of this industry. And typical Shenzhen. Team of five, six months, put it on e-commerce, 80,000 units, 10 million business, $10 million business in one year. This is how the future looks like. This is how the future we're starting to think about what happened, 
when we start into that, more people be able to participate in, in this industry, be able to create. You don't need a degree. You don't need a technical degree. You need an idea. You need a passion to execute it, to make it. And this comes back to one thing, is the, what we think about as innovations. So, yeah, design thinkings. So, a lot of people ask, how Shenzhen innovate? How Shenzhen do this? How is Shenzhen coming up with so many crazy stuff in such a short time? Uh, I use the analogy of design thinkings. So, let's say, uh, we got a couple of designers sitting down, plus the wall with, the, with, the, with this big posing. If you're starting to think about what's the job of a design firm and what's the job of an innovation consultants, is to reduce this into the last five piece of stickers. Say, okay, well, these five ideas merging together will make a mainstream products. Remember, mainstream products. In here, only thing gets been noticed it's big volume, big brand, and big shipment. But that's a very skewed view of the global opportunity because Shenzhen doesn't just make for Europe. Shenzhen just doesn't just make for the US market. Shenzhen makes for global market. So instead of this, in Shenzhen, you got 100 people going out, blindfolded, park five page, park five sticker out of it, have a ship in a month, validate the market, and whichever works, everybody just move there, get inspired, and then variations. And people say, it's chaotic, it's piracy, it's, but that's actually how people works. There's a mathematical models on how innovation works. It's called adjacent possibility. And we have to explore enough of the adjacent possibility to know which one works. And well, if you think about this, is the right now the design firm here, the innovation consultant here. What they are trying to do is show you that's only one path. That's only one reasonable path. But that's not how innovation works. That's this is how innovation works. Multiple paths get explored as simultaneously at the same time. We send them as a back. We are able to explore this simultaneously in large scale, in the very fast weekly, monthly iterations, rather than years, of debating uh, or, and paying tons of money for consultants. Uh, and this is how mass innovation look like. This is how mass collaborative innovation look like. So, well, I guess I didn't expect such dark view of the cyberpunk from Bruce, but this is actually one of the cyberpunk dreams. People on the street making high-tech objects. People on the street making IoT. People on the street making cell phone. And this is what that opportunity looked like. What's next? Well, if you look at from the global north, yeah, life is, well, life doesn't have anything looking up. But we encourage people to look at the global south. This is the...
So this is uh, a new accelerator we just launched. It's called Last 100 Miles. It depends on the trillion dollar investment China in under China's Belt and Road Initiative to build more than 30 kilometer, 30,000 kilometer of railroad across Eurasia, Middle East, Africa. With this coming, this is going to benefit the next billion people, but it's also still going to be at least half billion left by not having to access to this public transportation. The solution, autonomous vehicle. I mean, yeah, of course, the autonomous vehicle is not, never going to work in the city. Why do we need it? We have a walkable city, we have bike, we have transportation. But autonomous vehicle is going to work in the rural area, connecting the new transportation route into the village without the public transportation infrastructures. And we continue to look into this, and we just hosted a Bell and Road Summit for international makers. Uh, we got people coming from all over the world. We're French, we have European, we have Americans. And this is two of our speakers. On top, there's Ray from Ethiopia, working in ICA. 100 people, artificial intelligence, com artificial intelligence development company. At the bottom, that's Robin. So the, the same Robin I just showed. Robin right now is exploring opportunity to manufacture electronics in Africa. So put them together, they are doing the next things. So starting to really to think about opportunity can afford it by digital, by smart hardware, by manufacture, by open, by cooperation. It's hard to talk about them. It's, it doesn't, it looks very bleak looking at it from the global north. But when you're starting to think about the growth, doesn't, it's not just about Europe and US. The growth is the other 70% of the people. The bright opportunity gets opened up for technology. The bright opportunity gets opened up for future development. So, and the last things, AI. So, Shenzhen provides a hardware component. Shenzhen provides a hardware infrastructures. Now, AI is providing the new cross-site components. AI is providing the new software. And instead of thinking about AI, it's going to come to kill you. Uh, let's have some fun with AI. Alexa, what's the weather? Currently, in Cambridge, it's 45 degrees with showers. Tonight, you can look for rainy weather with a low of 43 degrees. Well, I hope that uh, ends us in, the, in a much happier note than what Bruce left us. Uh, the future doesn't look that terrible. The future is pretty bright. It's fun, and we are going to help the, we are going to see the emerging of the cooperative global south. And it's an opportunity not just <clears throat> for the people there. I think this is a really big global opportunity. So, um, we are set up to connect growth to the Shenzhen ecosystem, and anyone interested can get in contact. Thank you very much. Thank you, David Lee. David, we've, we've also got a moment for a question, if you like. Yeah? Folks, think of, get your questions ready. I had one uh, first, though, 
which is, you talked a lot about, uh, great talk, by the way. That was, that was fascinating. Uh, you talked a lot at the beginning about Moore's Law, and I wonder what you would say, because you and Bruce, this, you have, uh, you're kind of a yin and yang of optimism and pessimism. But, he, but he, he called the Apple headquarters the mausoleum from Moore's Law. He was saying the cloud is going gonna, is gonna to also kind of contribute to the decline of Moore's Law. What would you say to Bruce were he here? Well, I don't think that's contrary, but just depends on where you look. Uh, if you look at uh, Global North, the, the Europe, the US, the North America, well, the most law doesn't do much for you anymore. I mean, how much faster do you need your Apple? How much faster do you need your MacBook? I haven't changed my MacBook for four years. So, but if you think about this as the, the other side of this, if you look at what, who we are working with uh, in Africa, they are just getting it. They are just bringing, it's just gets, they're getting bringing gets to be, become the commonplace. Uh, the most law continues, and not the double the speed, but half the price. Uh, that's two sides of most law. It's double the performance, it doesn't do much, but when it half the price, it's starting to get benefit to more people. Okay, um, are there any questions in the house? There are no questions in the house. There's one, there's one right there. If we could uh, look at how fast the microphone got there, that was like the Moore's Law of microphone availability. They're actually waiting for you, Ben. So, um, a quick question. You mentioned the WECO case for friends. Uh, do you know of any initiatives from Shenzhen in Latin America? Um, it's not initiative from Shenzhen. It's really, we are looking for people uh, in the countries to starting to come and leverage the opportunity. We are actually talking to uh, a couple friends in Brazil. Uh, that's the government is going to ban 60 million cell phones in Sao Paulo. And we are trying to work it out how Shenzhen can support. But we cannot do it alone. We need friends in Brazil to work together. We need friends there to uh, make this work. And this is a big part of it is the I think in that tradition of science, the, the, the dystopia science fictions uh, in the Western literature, the, there's always been painted as a very grooming, conspiracy, authoritarian behind the whole technology. But if you're starting to look at the global south, how things work, it's really cooperative. Uh, there's no centralized authority wanting this. Uh, even Chinese government cannot do anything. Uh, so that's the direction of things to go. It really depends on what people want to do with these infrastructures. Uh, I know there was a question right over there. There's a raised hand and a swiftly moving microphone. Uh, what, what can you tell us about the, the software side? Um, you, you talked a lot about the hardware, but you know software is eating the world. So. Um, is there any innovation too in, uh, in this area in Shenzhen? Because you know, with AI and such things, with vast data um, uh, um, silos uh, of, of Google and, and so on, what, what's your uh, response to that? Well, I think that's two sides to this. Is the, for one thing, is to, for us to learn about looking at Shenzhen, is stop thinking about this as geopolitics, as geography. We are connected through the global information highway as well as the global transportation highway. And that's what, one thing I try to stress is the 
Shenzhen is not a city for China. Shenzhen has been built on the day one based on the foreign direct investment. It's a global city. It's a global supply chain. Uh, Shenzhen is good at making hardware, and that actually opens up gigantic opportunity for globally in software. The future of IoT, the future of this opportunity, is not going to be about be able to create a piece of hardware. And that's what has been taking a lot of the hardware startup in the past five years down the wrong path. We see teams coming in, spending 18 months, half million euro, developing something they can pick up on the street of Shenzhen for $10. And we see repeatedly seeing that again and again and again. And they all do it under the name of we need a full control of our intellectual property. I always tell them, how much do you think, how valuable your, uh, your IP is when I can pick it up on the street of Shenzhen for $10? <laughs> so that needs to be a new thinking about hardware. That has to be a new thinking about this coming age of a large IoT. I come from the, the whole internet backgrounds, and today we are building hardware in the same way as an, as an internet startup, coming up and say, I have a great internet idea, but I have to build a browser first. And we won't allow any internet company to do that today, but we are still indulging the hardware company to do exactly reinventing the wheel. So coming back to that is the, think about this as a global collaborating network. Sometimes it's good at popping up hardware. Software is the future. Service is the future. I'm afraid that's all the time we have. Ladies and gentlemen, David Lee. Thank you.